This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 155. If you have a bigger goal and you just make that your end goal, that this is what I got to do, everything else gets put on the sideline. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here for the last show of 2015. Wow. That was, yeah. a, that was a pretty epic intro. It was. Happy New Year, Josh. Oh, by the way, welcome to my co-host. No, oh, thanks. Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, Brandon? Not much. I'm uh, looking forward to 2016, personally. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. It it's crazy. It, I, I feel like it was like January, like a day ago. Well, it, I mean, like I, I for me, I'm still kind of wrapped up in the, hey, Y2K is coming. What's going to happen <laughs> when your 2000 gets here? Like, uh, wait, That's because you're we're old. At, we're at 2016. Like this year, I'm like... I I am, I'm going to be 40 this year. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah, realize this, that you were that old. This is- I remember uh, when my dad turned 40. That was I sad. remember when my dad was 40 and I thought he was old. Yeah. So wow. yeah, this is- I can't wait till that show. We're going to have fun there. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, hey man, we, we have, we got a really fun show today. It is We've really fun. He's a, a great guy and- uh, And super, super, yeah, super successful. Like- Oh Yeah crazy successful and this is like set your mind to it do it and like no bullshit no excuses just like if there's a will there's a way and and anybody can be successful if if they if they try and and you know i yeah this show is awesome so i'm super excited yeah well speaking of guys who are rocking it let's let's kind of get to today's quick tip tip Yes. Today's quick tip, guys, is this. 2016 is here. It's upon us. If you have not yet set your goals for 2016, you are so far behind already. Get on there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little guilt trip for you. No, get it together. Seriously, sit down, bust out some paper and, and write down your goals. And, and I'm talking not just for real estate. Do this for your personal life. Do this for real estate. Do this for your other job. Do that or job, whatever, whatever it is that you do in life, set down your goals, take some time, take a few hours, do it with your family, do it solo, however it works for you and plan out your year and decide what you're going to get done and how you're going to do it. Because yeah. uh, people who set their goals are far more successful than those who do not. People who plan tend to be far more successful. And if you're not, you're planning, you are behind the ball, get it done. And that is today's quick tip. My wife and I have a tradition. Every year we go out to this little like place. It's like this beach town called Seabrook. It's out on the coast of Washington state. And there's this little like burger joint there. And it has like these really, really good burgers and French fries or whatever. Anyway, our tradition for four years in a row now, I think. And we go out there every New Year's Eve and uh, or was it New Year's Day. Oh, I got to remember now. Was one of, you always tell me, like, yeah, oh, year, we, we sat down and did yeah, our goals. We sat like down and we do our goals like until we have like really defined goals for the year. And it's actually like one of the things I look forward to most every year. Like I just sitting down reviewing last year and going over next year. So we're recording yeah. this a couple weeks early. So we will be doing that in the next couple of weeks. Should be fun. Awesome. Awesome. Right. Cool beans, man. Good deal. Good deal. All right. Did you just say cool, cool. beans? Uh, yeah. Honestly. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. <laughs> that just happened. <laughs> All right. Oh, we're going to do the show before it goes <laughs> even more downhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right.
This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. The easiest way to collect rent? RentApp. RentApp is a seamless, secure, free payment tool for small rental property owners like you and me. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit rent directly into your account. Landlords love RentApp for its unbeatable convenience. Isn't it time you made rent collection easier? RentApp, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app/landlord. That's rent.app/landlord. Let's do this. Today's guest is Sharad Mehta. I, you know, I didn't ask him how to say his last name. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, we're going to say that's it. Sharad. And, and, and Sharad is... Hilarious. He's got an, he, he is funny <laughs> as hell. Uh, you got to listen to his stories. He's got some awesome, awesome stuff to share. He's got some amazing tips and definitely recommend tuning in. This is a guy who's, who owns hundreds of proper... Well, he's done hundreds of deals. deals hundred, yeah, a couple over, over 200 and some deals, including owns yeah. 50 rentals, free and clear and like... Free and clear. Yeah, yeah. amazing. That, and that, all in and the last five, five years. Five years. Five years. And he learned it all from somewhere that you guys probably oh, yeah. were there. Yeah, and, and we didn't actually know that, which is yeah, the coolest part. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. awesome. So so let's get to this thing. Sherrod, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you on board. Thank you, man. My pleasure. Yeah, this is actually our second attempt at this. Yesterday we tried it, but Josh hadn't restarted his computer in two and a half years. So, you know, he had some tech issues. Apparently it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Sherrod, let's just get to this, man. I, you know, I'm, I'm just cutting Brandon off straight up. <laughs> And by the way, feel free to make fun of him throughout the show. Nobody likes making fun of me. Like the guests, they don't make fun of me. They make fun of you. Have nah. you noticed that pattern happening? I, I have not. Okay, I have not. You watch for I it. I have not. Sherrod, this is all about you. All right. So let's let's hear your story because your story is really interesting. You you came to the States uh, you know, when you were 18 years old from, from India, right? Right. Tell us how you got started. So I moved here when I was 18. Moved here from India. Came here for school. Can I tell you guys a funny story? No. Sure. Somewhat related to real estate. <laughs> All right. Okay. Josh, will, Josh will plug in the ears. Earmuffs, Josh. So when I first moved there, so I'm filling out a college ethnicity form. Okay. We don't do this stuff in India. So this is like, okay, you know, I'll fill out name, you know, and then it goes to, um, you know, then it's asking me uh, my ethnicity. There was a question about, you know, it, I'm going down the list and I see Caucasian. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> African-American. I'm like, I don't know what that is. And there was American Indian. And I'm like, 
Well, I am in America. I'm from India. So I checked that box. No, wait. And then I'm going down. I, I went down the list further and I'm like, whoa, there's no American Chinese, no American Japanese. Man, these people must really love Indians. They have a special category for people who come from India. Man, this is awesome. Everybody else gets put in one pool, Asians and Indians get this special treatment. So I checked that box. Two weeks later, I get a $5,000 scholarship check. <laughs> and I had no idea why. And I'm thinking to myself, man, it's about time. You know, these people recognize how smart I am you know, I did so well on SATs. And, and I did not realize it for good nine months. I thought I was American Indian and I transferred my school after a couple of semesters. And then I was filling out the same form at a different school. But this time, the college counselor was sitting next to me and she was like, wait, you're American Indian? I'm like, duh, I'm from India. In America, like, what else do you think I am? Do I look like Chinese to you? <laughs> so she corrected me and then, you know, I'm like, ah. Oh, and know, then you sent sense. the $5,000 back, of course, right? <laughs> sure, yes. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> I don't know how that was real estate related at all, but I love it. That's but, great. But probably my favorite Bigger Pockets podcast story so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're off to a good start. So now the pressure is on me to keep it up. It is, it is. But, but anyway, I, I moved there, you know, got my degree in accounting after changing my major a couple of times. Uh, I went to school in New York, by the way. Uh, Where'd you go? Baruch College, City University. Oh. And then uh, I moved to Chicago for my job. And at that time, my girlfriend then, my wife now, moved there. You know, she went to school in Chicago, DePaul University, got a degree in accounting. So, you know, we... I, I started, I was working for an Abbott Labs pharmaceutical company. Then I, you know, changed jobs to an accounting firm. I'd always been into, you know, saving money. So basically how I got started was around 2010 is when I bought my first property. My wife and I, we had always saved up money. We'd always lived on lower of the two income. Since she started working, that's what we've always done. Live on lower of the two income, save the higher one. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, of course. I just want to know, I mean, do you have any tips for people that are out there? Like, I mean, a lot of people struggle with saving money a lot, right? And you lived on one income and you said you always done that, right? Is that, is that something that's in culturally that's like ingrained in you? Or are you just really good at that? Or like, I mean, why are, are Americans, why are we Americans, don't have to do that. we're so yeah. bad at it. Like here, we're so bad at it. Maybe that's where, you know, me being American Indian comes in. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I think it was, it was always the fact that both my wife and I, we've had bigger goals in life. You know, we just don't want to work a corporate job, you know, save money, put it in mutual fund, retire, and then just, you know, live off those savings. You know, we want to do something big with our life. Our goal is much, much larger than, you know, just going through life, working a corporate job. So once you have a goal big enough and you, you know, you're motivated enough, it, it's not that hard. I mean, you know, my wife and I both luckily have made decent salaries. So living on even the lower of the two income, it wasn't that I was working at McDonald's, you know, shift manager, and she was working a corporate job. You know, both of them had, both of us had decent corporate jobs. So it wasn't that big of a deal to live on the lower incomes. You know, I mean, it's at, at the same time, I don't want to give an impression that, you know, we're living like poor people. I mean, we've, you know, we've traveled, we've traveled extensively. We've actually been to five continents. You know, women do Africa, South America. So we've, we've traveled a lot. But if you have, you know, at the same time, you have to make some sacrifices to achieve a bigger goal in life. And 
and luckily you know my wife and i we both on the same page when it comes to that so it it's not been it's not been that hard you know but if you have a bigger goal and you just make that your end goal that this is what i got to do everything else gets put on the sideline yeah, yeah. can i, like I can i dig in a little more on that i mean is it about foregoing the quote shiny objects in in exchange for uh, those things that you know, like you take a guy like Brandon, right? He's an addict. Uh, the guy can't drive past, you know, one of those little green logos uh, on on a coffee shop with the naked stop. mermaid on the front. Yeah, the naked mermaid place. Yeah. Like he can't go past the Starbucks without going there. He's addicted to that, right? So you know, that's a very uh, that that's how he chooses to use his money, and and that's fine. You know, nothing wrong with that. You know, instead of doing that, buying a big big TVs, fan, you know, fancy clothes, things like that. It's you know, this is what we care about. We're going to live on the essentials. We don't, you know, we don't care about all this stuff. Let's break it down to its core. What do we actually need to to get by with that we're happy and comfortable, and exactly. then just kind of move on. That is that it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I drive a 2010 Toyota Prius. I can, you know, at this point in my life, I can pretty much afford any car I want. But 2000, you know, Toyota Bugatti? Prius. Yeah, if I really wanted it. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Come on. Go get it. <laughs> no. Prius, you know, Prius gets me from point A to point B and it's got a navigation system and a backup camera. So, you know, it's, it's a little oh, bit. Yeah. I got, I got the 2000. Watch, I got the 2007 Prius. So I'm not as you know cool as the 2010. I got, I got a 13 Prius C. It's like literally like a golf cart with like 82 horsepower. Right. You know, which, yeah, uh, I could walk faster than it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> stuff like you know, I'm not, I'm not really into cars. I mean, Prius is actually my favorite. I mean, now I'm really into Teslas. Yeah. So maybe next car that I get might probably might be Tesla. But you know, to you know, Toyota Prius does a job. I mean, I work from home, so I don't really need to drive anywhere. You know, I mean, this is the watch that I'm wearing. My my in-laws gave me a gift six years ago. Actually, today today is my wedding anniversary, like I told you guys. I still oh. wear the same watch. So. Happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. So, you know, I mean, it's the stuff that I don't really care about. It's just, yeah. it, it's, I, I don't even get excited about that stuff. You know, I like reading books. So my wife said, you know, she wants me to buy something. I said, hey, why don't you buy me a Kindle, you know, with a backlight? I don't know what's that called. The paper well, white or something. The paper like that. white. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I, I mean, asked for Christmas too. Yeah, I like reading books at night. You know, and my wife she goes to bed early and she's like, "Hey, can you shut out the light?" I'm like, hey, "Why don't you buy me a Kindle white light?" You know, yep. or whatever that's called. And she's like, "Yeah, I'll be happy to." Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's, you know, we we haven't really talked about this much, and we haven't even gotten to real estate. But you know, thus far, I think this is the topic of frugality, right? I think it's the topic of not going to the extreme of frugality, but I think it's just being smart with your money and not right. spending it. Um, you know, I, I remember when I had, uh, uh, I had some section eight properties and it would always amaze me. I would walk in and, you know, occasionally go and, you know, uh, hobnob with, with the tenants and, there's always the big screen, always the big screen, always the brand new shiny shoes and really, really nice clothes. But like, you know, the mattress in many cases was on the floor and, and you know, there were bags of garbage in, in the back of, back of the house. I mean, it was just like the priorities of, of what you kind of focus on and what you put your importance to are what's going to drive you, right? So if you have that bigger goal of, hey, I want to do something, I want to accomplish you know, this goal of early retirement or, or saving enough money to do whatever it is that you want to do, you, you just have to kind of 
bear, break things down, right? I mean, we, we don't, at the end of the day, I think we all think that we need a ton of money. I remember when I was, you know, uh, 22, 23, and I was living off of, you know, under 20 grand a year, and I was very comfortable. Right. Um, I didn't need any more than that. And I was, you know, I, I was going out all the time. I was doing stuff. And so I, I think if we kind of, you know, once you have kids, things change, it gets harder. But, but right. I, I think that's kind of an important thing. And, and for all the people who might be listening or saying like, oh my God, you know, I don't know. It's such a struggle. Stop and break down your life and, and, and budget, right? I mean, is, isn't that the, the basis for, for what everything comes from? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I truly believe one thing that separates, you know, a really successful person from somebody who's average is the motivation. It's, you know, if you're motivated enough, you will get anything done no matter what. You just have to have that motivation. You know, people can make, uh, you know, sacrifices. If you really want something badly enough, you'll do whatever you need to do to get it done. It just, you know, there's, there's no other reason. I mean, I'd really, really wanted to be financially independent early in my age. You know, even though I look like, uh, 46 year 47 year old like uh, yes, you yesterday you don't not at all <laughs> but but I'm, I'm 33 and you know my wife and I a couple of years ago we were financially independent we did not need to work for anybody you know yeah. we just like we could just sit at home not do anything but my wife was just get crazy kill me yeah, so- by the way you don't look a day over you know like 38 32 <laughs> oh <laughs> so Let's talk about that rental property or the, the first property you bought anyway. I don't know if it was rental or not. Let's talk about that first property you bought. Sure. Um, how, how did that come about? What happened there? The first investment property? Sure. Let's go oh. first investment property. The first investment property that I bought was a two unit. Was it's, a what? Okay. Uh, a two unit a yep. duplex in Indiana. I lived in Chicago. Now I live in California, but I lived in Chicago back then. And I, I'd been in, interested in investing in rental properties, you know, I'd, my wife and I had saved them some, saved up some money, and then you know I was reading a lot about real estate, and then around that time, uh, you guys didn't you know pay me to say this, but you know <laughs> I came across Bigger Pocket. No jokes, you know I seriously oh. came across Bigger Pocket. If anybody goes to my profile, they can go back to 2010 beginning. Is when I became a member and I bought my first property on August 10, 2010. Nice. And oh. and you know I, I paid cash for it, got it fixed up, bought the second one September you know, like four weeks later, it was a three unit. The first one I paid uh, $22,000 for, and I spent about $12,000, $13,000. And I had rented both the units and I was getting about $1,300 a month in rent for both of them combined. Wow. So, so that was a pretty good deal. You know, tenants were paying their utilities. And I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest, like I learned all these things from Bigger Pocket. I've never taken any real estate course. The only book that I'd read about was Millionaire Real Estate Investor. So that kind of gave me an idea of what I wanted to do. I didn't, you know, I didn't get excited about doing flips. I mean, I do some flips now, but back then I didn't, I didn't see myself as, you know, buying a property, selling it, you know, fixing it up and selling. It just didn't appeal to me as much as buying something and uh, fixing it up and renting it out. I just sure. wanted to go after passive income. Can I talk to you about the, the, the cheaper prices? So we've been talking a, a lot lately. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we did a show with uh, Ben Leibovich, Brian Burke, and Serge Shukat, and we talked about this the the dangers of buying a property in a low income area, like a thirty thousand dollar area. Uh, in the, Not low income for inexpensive houses. Yeah, inexpensive houses, yeah, inexpensive houses, and so like which are I mean. 
usually, but not always fun in lower income areas. But and then I did a video with one of the bonus videos that came with the book on rental property investing that we launched. You know, one of the videos I did was called the truth about buying $30,000 houses. So there's a lot of conversation about this and you went and bought one of those and you weren't even living there. Can you kind of tell, I mean, like, what are, are they great cash flowing properties today? Were you, did you, are they going up in value? I mean, kind of tell us about those early properties. What are they like today? And five years later. Yeah. Yeah. Five years later. Do you still recommend them? Do you still buy them? Yeah. I mean, I buy, I still buy inexpensive properties, but I moved to a little bit better area. You know, I've moved to, yeah, I mean, I I moved to within the same County, just a different city. The area where I invest, it's, it's a small County made up of, I don't know, 12, 15 cities. So I primarily, you know, focus on three main cities. So the first, you know, city where I bought the properties, I would call it a C area. For example, the first property that I bought, I paid 22000 for it. And I think I spent about 12, 13. So I was all in for about 35. You know, um, I did six months or a year later, I did a cash out refinance. It appraised for forty-five or $50,000. I got all my money out of it. The, the second property that I bought, I paid 44000 for a three-unit. It needed about $5,000 into it. You know, I put that in, and I think I'm getting about $1,600, $1,700 a month in rent for it. And it appraised six months later for fifty-five, dollars $56,000. So I was able to get majority of my money out. Okay. Today, and they're still cash flowing. I still own those properties. I'm still happy with them. They make me money every year. You know, I've not... I own enough properties where every now and then, you know, a few properties will give you an issue, but it's more of a volume thing than a particular neighborhood per se. I mean, some neighborhood personally are better, but you know, then you take the risk of going into a low, uh, lower income area, you know, your risk is going to be higher because you're getting higher cash flow. But as long as you're ready for that, you know, I, I, I won't say, you know, they've been, you know, walk in the park, but you know, they've had some ups and downs. If would I go back and do the same thing again? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Okay. Got cool. it. I, I like yeah. hearing that other perspective, you know, cause like, you know, I'm always warning people, be careful with those properties cause they can, they can be very dangerous in that. Like you buy a property, I, for, I mean, yours has a ton of cash flow, right? So imagine you bought that same property, uh, you know, for 22,000, put 13,000 into it. You got 35 right. into it and you rent it out for 450 bucks a month. Those are the right. numbers that I hear often, you know, and at the end of the day, those aren't going to cash flow very well. Yours rent right. for 1300 a month or 16. Like those are, those are solid numbers. Right. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you how I, you know, how I, um, did research on the area, you know, I would go drive, drive by the areas. I, I literally would call the police department, the local police department. I would talk to the serge- sergeant and I would say, Hey, I'm looking to buy this property. What do you guys think? You know, and I would literally ask him if it were your son or your daughter buying this property as an investment, would you recommend? And I would only buy if they said yes. Wow. That's a great tip. Yeah. Interesting. That's that's what I did. I mean, I had no idea, you know, when you ask somebody about, you know, I I don't, when I'm calling the police department, I don't do that anymore. But when I first started out, I didn't ask them about the crime stats, you know, but I would just ask them when, when I started asking, you know, the person I was talking to, when I would ask him, Hey, would you recommend your son, your daughter, or somebody in your family to invest in this property? And that's when they really think about it. You know, that's when they, they start, they look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And I think that really helped me. They would tell me, you know, yeah, you know, if the price were right, definitely. So that's all I needed to know if the price were right, you know, the area is fine and it, it's been working out really good for me so far. 
that's that's, that's cool. awesome. That's cool. Hey, really, really quick, you had talked about it being a C area for those people who don't know uh, what's an A, a B, a C. Really quickly. I mean, you know, A and D are the easiest to define. A would be a high end area, like I would say, like for example, I lived in downtown Chicago before I moved here. I live in Carlsbad, California. I would call where I was living in downtown Chicago an A area. Where I live now, Carlsbad, you know, California, an A area. You know, school districts are really good. You know, I, I mean, in, in my case, the average, you know, the starting uh, home prices have been five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars. So those, you know, high income areas. So that I would call A area where everybody wants to live. Essentially, D would be where nobody wants to live. They only live because that's the only place they can live. You know, they, they don't have, they don't make enough money to live in any other area. There's a lot of gang activity. That's what would be a D area. To me, I define B area as somewhere, you know, B and C would fall somewhere in between A and D. Um, B would be, would I live in that area if I had to? If the answer is yes, to me, that's a B area. You know, if I had to live there, you know, would I be concerned for my safety? If the answer is no, yeah, that's a B area. Would I... My property manager is a female, so would I be comfortable if she's going after dark to collect the rent or, you know, if, if I had to send my wife after dark to collect the rent, would I feel comfortable about that? If the answer is yes, to me, that's a B area. Not my first choice of area to live in, but I would if I had to, you know, average school rating is four or five and C would be, you know, somewhere between B and D, I guess. Okay. Fair enough. Cool. You know? So you, you talked about you lived in Chicago. And yes. these properties you bought, you said were Indiana? Yes. How uh, did about you? 30, 45 minutes outside of downtown Chicago. Oh, okay. I guess I, I'm right. not familiar they, with the area that much. They're close. Thinking, yeah, I was thinking yeah. like, you know, hours and hours away, but that's not too no, bad. No, the, the best way to think of the area, I invest in Lake County, Indiana. Okay. Um, the best way to think of this area as a suburb of Chicago. Like even the okay. local news that they get in this part of Indiana is Chicago news. Like the news that we get in Chicago covers that part of Indiana. So okay. There's a little train that connects. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's like the difference between your house and your town, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. So rural. I still have, I still have my office in Indiana. I fly back, you know, at least once a month. Okay. I fly to Chicago airport, either O'Hare or Midway. And I go to Indiana, you know, sometimes I stay there. Sometimes I stay with my brother in Chicago and I, commute every day. So how did you find that location then? I mean, how did you determine that was the area you wanted to invest in? I guess kind of that's, that's where the research I did on bigger pockets came, you know, came handy because, uh, I wanted to be within 45 minutes to an hour drive from downtown Chicago. Okay. I could not go East because I would be in Lake Michigan. Uh, <laughs> you could, I mean, there might be yeah, a real estate could, out there yeah. somewhere. West would be, West would be, North West would be too expensive. South wasn't safe enough. Um, so I looked at Southeast Indiana and that's kind of how, you know, I started looking at it and I'm like, Hey, let me see, you know, what's available out there. I mean, at first I, I didn't even, I didn't even realize how close Indiana was to Chicago. And I would call these agents and I would be like, Hey, are you guys on the same time zone or are you guys an <laughs> hour ahead? Because Indianapolis is. So I just assumed the whole state of Indiana so that's how I started looking at it. You know, I, I, I would go there, uh, you know, after work or, you know, on the weekends, drive around, talk to people, just kind of, you know, made myself familiar with the area. And that's how I got started. That's cool. So, so you talk about calling agents and talking to people. Uh, right. What people are you talking to? 
Uh, I would just literally go to a local grocery store, you know, and just talk to people, you know, corner, convenience store, gas station, call the, you know, police department, ask them about the neighborhood. Yeah, just like talk to local people. And I would drive, drive around the neighborhood, you know, just I wanted to feel comfortable. And, you know, if, if I see a lot of graffiti on houses, you know, a lot of uh, boarded up houses, I kind of stayed away from that area. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And then, and then the agent agent part. I mean, was that your strategy for for learning the area as well, or was that your strategy for finding deals? Were, were these deals on market, off market? Initially, when I first started out, everything I bought was MLS deals. I mean, back back then, two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, nobody really had cash, and I was buying you know cash, banks weren't lending, so that gave me a little bit of you know leg up on other people, you know, where I could just take a cash off or do the first house that I bought. Was listed for sixty five thousand dollars, and I bought it for twenty two. <laughs> wow! I, I started out with seventeen five cash offer. Next, you know, one week closing, they came back and for uh, what I did initially was again this came from bigger pocket. You know, you guys are not paying me for this, but maybe you should. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, wait. So the, really quick, that property was listed at sixty five k. Right. And you had the balls to offer $17,000. Why did you offer $17,000 on a $65,000 property? Because that's what I thought it was worth. Okay. I had, you know, I had cash. I thought, here's, you know, when I first started out, I would buy everything directly through listing agent. I, w- I did not have my own agent. I would call listing agents. This is a tip that I found from Bigger Pockets that you, you'll get some inside information and the selling agent would have a little bit extra motivation to get yep. the deal done. Because on these houses, they're not really making a lot of money. You know, yeah. if, if on a $2,500, $2,000 commission, if they have to split with another person, you know, they're making $1,000, $1,250. But now, all of a sudden, if they can make $2,000 or $2,500, you know, you get a little bit more information, you know, about what's the real motivation, what's their bottom number. And, you know, and I said, hey, let's start at seventeen five. Let's see what they come back at. They came back at 30 I went back to 20 and they came 25. I said, 22, take it or leave it. And they took it. That's great. I, I, yeah. I like that. Masterful. Tip a lot. Yeah. I, I love it. I love that tip you were saying about, you know, if, if you work with the selling agent, instead of having right. your own agent, they get that extra. Mo- now, I mean, technically, legally, they're not supposed to have any added, you know, motivation right. or incentive. They're supposed to present everything equally and fairly and represent the seller. But I mean, come on, we all know that they really, I mean, like, it's double the income. So of course they're going exactly. to be a little quicker probably to import yours. They got a stack of offers. They're probably going to put yours in first. You know, if the bank, I don't know if to ask their opinion, but you know, anyway, they, they're definitely going to work harder for you because right. you're using them. I think that's a great tip. You have to be obviously your agent that is not necessarily on your side. Like, uh, you know, fiduciary, is that the word? Like fiduciary. Yeah. They're not technically representing you at all. So you have to be careful, but it can be a good tip to get some good deals. But, I mean, another thing is when, when I've, started out first, I had more time on my hand than I had cash available. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to use my time as much, you know, get the highest rate of return on my time, um, you know, as much as possible. So I, I had enough time to deal with the listing. It does create a little bit of extra work for you. I don't deal with listing agents very often. Every now and then, if I know it's a really, really good deal, I'll call the listing agent directly and say, hey, just I need to get this deal. Tell me what the number is, put in an offer, you know, but it, it does create a little bit extra work on your part yep. versus working with the buyer's agent. So I don't do that so much anymore, but when I first started out. Hey, Sherrod, uh, walk me through that conversation. You, know, you're, you get on the phone, you call a listing agent, say the property is listed at 50K, you think it's worth 30. 
Um, how do you probe the agent in a way to to get that information out of them, or or at least you you know to, to find out what the bottom line is uh, on the seller? Let's say if a house is listed for fifty, and I think it's really worth thirty, I would say, yeah. okay, I'm going to put an offer for twenty five. What do you think? You know, is it going to go through? Am I in the ballpark? Am I way off? And if they say no, you know, let's take it and see what the seller comes back with. You know, at least I know I'm somewhat in ballpark. If I go in with 25 where the seller is not going to take anything below 45, they'll say, don't even worry about it. You know, you're just wasting your time. So you kind of get an idea if you're in the same ballpark or not. You put an offer and then, you know, see what the seller comes back at. And then you kind of, you know, the selling agent will come back and say, you know, if you come up a couple more thousand dollars or whatever, you know, I can make it happen with uh, the seller. And then you, you, you kind of get an idea, you know, if you're within thousand, two thousand dollars. I love this tip. I, I, I think particularly for, for newer investors, I think that it's an outstanding strategy. I mean, particularly because you probably don't have the knowledge at that point to, to really know if your numbers are in the exact ballpark, you know, you're, you're still learning, you're still trying to figure out your offers and having that person to be able to, to kind of flex with you with the knowledge that they've actually spoken to the seller. Right. Um, it, that's, that's really helpful. Right. I mean, even now, if, uh, if my buyer's agent will bring me an offer, uh, you know, bring me a listing that I know is really hard to you, I would call my buyer's agent, you know, my agent and I would say, Hey, call the listing agent, offer them $500,000 bonus that I'll pay directly to them. You know, just try to get an idea where we need to be on this number. Um, and then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah. I, I've done that too. Now that I have like an agent that I work with a lot, you know, I can't just go and call up a listing agent every time I want to, cause then I'm hurting my relationship with my own buyer's agent that I, you know, he's represented me a lot. So what I do now, a lot of times I'll have my agent call the other agent. I'll be like, Hey Jason, can you call up uh, the agent and just feel them out for a $30,000 offer to see what they say. And then he, he knows the game uh, he'll call them up and, and you know, they're buddy buddies because it's a small town and the agents know each other. And he'll get back to me and be like, yeah, I think we're probably pretty good at that point. Right. And so yeah, even no, if you, I, yeah, it's a good way to get around that. Even if you have an agent. Right. No, I agree. I mean, keeping a relationship with an agent is definitely important, but my agent, you know, I, I think I do about 40, 50 deals with him every year. So if he doesn't get a commission on one deal, he understands, you know, if, if it's a flip deal, he's going to get it on the back end. But if it's just a rental property, you know, he's, it's not, you know, he's not, he's not going to kill himself if he doesn't yeah. get one deal. Yeah. Over there. Awesome. How, how many deals have you done? 40, 50 years, a lot. So uh, uh, where, where are you at? 225, 250. So, and, and what's the composition of that? What's buy and holds versus flips? I would say over 20% buy and hold that I hold in my own portfolio. And 95% okay. of those are free and clear, no loan, nothing. Okay. Uh, and, uh, a big majority of them have been wholesale deals. Okay. Wholesale to an overseas company. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. And then about 15, 20 flips and uh, maybe 15, 20 turnkey. Okay. Wow. Right on. So you do quite a bit of different stuff with real estate. It's not just anymore. Just you're going to buy those rentals. Now you're doing flips, wholesales, you're selling them turnkey, I mean, you're if, doing all sorts I, of stuff. You know, if let's say if I won a $10 million jackpot today, if I would just completely stop wholesaling, flipping, uh, turnkey, just I just go out and buy whatever I can with that money. Yeah. Okay. That's that's okay. what I would do. I mean, I I do flips, uh, just to use that profit flip wholesale turnkey, just to use that profit to go out and buy properties for myself. That's right that's on. What I do. Can you talk about the wholesaling to the overseas company? I'm, I'm assuming you probably have relationships with. Is a, I, I should not assume anything, but yeah, 
What's what's the what's the story there? Uh, with the wholesale, it's actually I, I got introduced to this company. The CFO of that company is cousin of one of my friends, so that's how I got connected. And they what they were doing at that point where they were buying and selling properties to local investors in Australia. Okay, so that's how I got connected, and it wasn't you know it, it wasn't it, it, okay. So I should I should take it back. The wholesale deals are not per se wholesale. It was more like I was helping them buy properties in the area and they were paying me profit out of each deal. Got so it. it was a minimum profit that I would get, uh, you know, it was the greater or whatever the fee or the profit on each deal. So it wasn't that I was buying a property for 10,000 or, you know, 30,000 and selling it to them for 35. Yeah, They yeah. were doing, they came with a lot of volume. They said, Hey, we'll do 40, 50 deals a year. Just tell us, you know, how much uh, you're going to charge per deal or, you know, based on the profit. Right on. Interesting. Hey, so, so really quickly, hundreds of deals. Do you have a single criteria for your buy and holds and different criteria for, for other uh, strategies that you do? Or is there just kind of a general criteria? I'd, I'd be curious, kind of what, what, what are you shooting for? Are you going for, you know, the bread and butter uh, three twos? What, what exactly are you, uh, are you doing? Uh, for, for buy and hold, the, the area where I invest, there aren't many three twos. It's mostly two bedroom, one bath or three bedroom, one bath. And, uh, so that's what I go for. And even the properties that I'm selling, I buy them myself first, most of them with my own cash. And I only sell them. I only buy them if I'm comfortable holding them in my own portfolio. Okay. So that's, that's my idea. Would I want to hold it in my own portfolio if I, you know, had the money available? And if the answer is yes, that's the only reason why, like, for example, I've only in turnkey, I've only sold my B properties. I still hold my C properties because I am more than comfortable, you know, with the ups and downs of a C property, but I don't want an out of state overseas investor to take that risk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I think that's good because I think a lot of turnkey providers are selling properties, C and D class properties to out of state areas or out of state investors. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Hey, Sharad. So is that, I mean, is that the only thing properties that you would want to hold? I mean, is there like a per door number or you know, square footage? Do you have other uh, property criteria that you're looking at? Uh, sure. I mean, like I say, you know, I buy everything cash. So I want to, my minimum cap rate should be about 15%. That's what I go for. You know, it should, or in terms of like gross return for every 50, 40 to $50,000, I want to make at least thousand dollars a month in rent. That's it. That's just, I mean, everything I buy, Almost, I mean, now everything that I've been buying for the last couple of years has been a single family house. So okay. I don't pay any utilities. I'm not responsible for loan maintenance costs or anything like that. So basically, as long as I'm getting for every forty to fifty thousand dollars, depending on the neighborhood, if I'm getting a minimum thousand dollars a month in rent, I'll go for it. Like just just becomes a no brainer. Okay. So you mentioned that you own these rental properties. How many did you say you had? Over fifty. Okay, so you have over fifty rental properties. You hold them all by or all free and clear. Uh, I would most say of them? forty-eight of them. Wow. Okay, so I, first of all, first yeah, of all, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> last few years to have forty-eight properties free and clear. That's amazing. A couple of questions I want to I want to hit. Uh, first of all. How did you do that? Like, meaning, is it because you were flipping and wholesaling and buying the properties for cash? And then secondly, why do you do that? Uh, what's the purpose of not having mortgages on them? Sure. Uh, first of all, how I do that, like I said, you know, it just comes back to being living on the lower of the two income. I still, to this day, I still do that, you know. Um, but now at this point, you know, real estate income is 
what I make from a real estate is much higher than what my wife has made. You know, she, she's got a really nice job, you know, uh, six figure salary. So it's not like, you know, we're, uh, you know, hurting for anything, but you know, from real estate, you know, the income is much higher. So we're able to reinvest all the money we make from real estate into just buying more rental properties. So, you know, selling those, not selling, but, you know, working with that overseas company, Australian company, obviously that really helped because in the last four or five years, I think they've done about 125 deals, 100 to 125 deals. So all that money just got reinvested into more properties for myself. Okay. All the money that I make from Flip just goes back into more properties. And then why I do that is because it's, I, I don't want to deal with debt. You know, I, I'm working on, I have other businesses that I do, you know, I'm, I'm working on a startup company. So I kind of want to keep my real estate business as simple as possible. I can, compl- I, I, you know, I understand as, as well as anybody else. I mean, I have an accounting degree. I can go out, you know, I can leverage my properties, have two, 300 units, but I don't want to deal with that headache. You know, I have more than enough properties. I, you know, I have even within real estate, you know, I do turnkey flips, wholesale. So I have more than enough income coming in where if, if it's working for me, not having any debt on it, then why do it? You know, even when somebody goes out, gets debt on the property, their end goal is to pay it off. If I can just have it paid off to begin with, you know, why go get a loan on it? I love it. I love it. I love that you're, you know, there isn't one size fits all. I love that you say you have an accounting degree. You get that maybe leverage, right. will maybe give you a higher return, maybe. But if this is working for you, it fits your plan, what you're trying to yeah, achieve. Exactly. In life. I love that. No, I mean, the properties that I'm buying, I can go out, I can leverage it, and I can get all my money out of it. But I don't want to deal with that. You know, I don't want to go through the lending process, you know, dealing with the lenders because, like I said, I'm working on a startup company. You know, my dad and I were thinking of starting, uh, you know, my dad lives in Tanzania. So we're, we're thinking of starting a business in Tanzania. Um, so for me, the most important thing for me is my time. You know, I can, yeah. I, I completely, completely understand. I can get a much higher rate of return on my money, no doubt, you know, uh, but it's my time. I need to use my time as efficiently as possible. I, I have to get the highest return on my time, you know, and I have to go where I get the highest return on my time. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk that. about the time. So, so, you know, in order to start a business in uh, t- Tanzania, Tanzania, I can never say it right. Tanzania. Yeah, in Dar es Salaam. Uh, yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, yeah, I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, nice. It's supposed to be nice. Yes. Yes. You got to do that. You're, you've got, you know, you're, you're, you've got a portfolio. Uh, you're acquiring 50 properties a year. That's a property a week. What is your role within your own business? So uh, do you have a full-time property manager? Are you doing management acquisition? Are you doing everything? What, how do you fall into your, your own business? No, my, I have a full-time property manager. We actually have two. Uh, one property manager manages most of the, the deals that I did with the Australian company. And then I have another property manager. She's managing all my properties and the investors that I'm selling properties to. The turnkey okay. deals and stuff. So where my role fits in. So I moved to, actually, I moved to California exactly four months ago today. Okay. Ever since I moved, I've done about 25 to 30 deals. So my business has actually become better in the last four months since I moved there. Because I feel, you know, I use technology like crazy. FaceTime, Skype, WhatsApp, you know, you name it. Every, I've made my contractor, every contractor get a smartphone. 
if they will not get a smartphone, I'm not working with them. Mm-hmm. So my contractors have upgraded to you know iPhones and Androids or whatever. They will literally call me from a house and they'll tell me, hey, this is the issue. What do you want to do? Make a call right then and there. Done. When I was in Indiana, I had an office there. I would go there. I would, I would go drive there, look at the problem, make the same decision and drive back. Yeah. Yeah. I would waste whatever, half hour to an hour just driving back and forth. And then with me, you know, even though I do all these deals, I, I don't really care, you know, what plumbing somebody uses, what, you know, fixtures they use. We like now the houses that we do, every house looks the same, same yeah. paint, same flooring, same furnace, same yep. shingle windows. We don't even make the decision. We have a spreadsheet. We buy everything from Home Depot, uh, more or less. So my guys go to Home Depot. Home Depot has a couple of my credit cards. My, my guys would go there. All we've told Home Depot, just make sure whoever comes there, you put the job name on the receipt. Don't forget that we, we have to put the job address on the receipt. So when my, when my bookkeeper gets the information, he knows, you know, uh, which property the receipt belongs to. Hey, yeah. real quickly, um, I want to go real specific on this. Uh, when you go to Home Depot and you're checking out, are you talking about when they ask that, is there a PO name or do you actually, you're talking about like writing on the receipt? No, 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 and then no like a PO thing? name. So I, okay. I get all the receipts by email. Okay. So I just get all the receipts by email. My bookkeeper... Uh, has an access to that email. So he would just go there and then we have Home Depot set up a back, you know, account also for us where we can log in and it has all the property information. Okay. So we can go in and see which property we bought the material for and, and that's it. Like, and they have two credit cards on file and they would just, they just call me and they say, hey, which card do you want to put it on? And this is a put on card one, card two, that's it. Do they have to call you? Um, and I know we're getting really specific here, but sure. I, I hope this helps other people. No, this is awesome. helping me. Yeah. yeah. So when I go to home, this is one of the biggest irritations of my business. I don't have a system down for this perfectly yet. And that's why I want to pick your brain. When my contractors go to Home Depot to go buy something, you know, right now they don't actually have a card. I don't give them a card. Right now they have to do a phone call every time. So you're saying you opened up like a business card and then the, your contractors have access to that card? Is that what you're saying? I mean, Home Depot has my card. Like, like Home Depot, like, I, I mean, I, I, have, uh, I have the cards. I don't even know where the cards are because I don't use them locally. The only time we use it at, at a Home Depot. So all they call me is, hey, which card do you want to use? I just give them the last four digits. They have the cards on file. Okay. I just tell them the last four digits. And I mean, the contractor that I work with, I've been working with the same contractor. I trust them. I would not work with them if I did not trust them. Yeah. I trust them. If they need to buy anything, they would just call me and say, hey, can I buy this? Use your discount and, you know, you'll take it off my final payment. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just, you know, put it on a separate receipt, just right here. And then instead of PO name, uh, Home Depot would put their name. So I know, you know, uh, it's not for a job, but it's out of the final payment. Okay. And are these actually Home Depot credit cards or are these your own? Home Depot. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I have, you know, I work with different investors. You know, I have um, two Home Depot accounts, two Home Depot cards, and I have a couple of debit cards on file, depending on, you know, which property or which account I'm paying out of. Okay. And then I, your book, like you said, your bookkeeper then gets it. I, I love that. I, I mean, I, cause I've never figured out a good strategy for this. And we, you know, we go to Home Depot, it seems like at least once or twice a day, right. uh, my contractors are always there. And so, you know, it just becomes a mess. Like, right. A lot of times we've tried things like taking photos of the receipt, uh, but I like that idea. And then giving the bookkeeper access to that and Sinks it all. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So I'm going to talk with my wife right after this and we're going to talk. <laughs> and you talked about discount. So are you, is Home, Home Depot giving you a discount based on volume or what, what's that about? The volume. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming that's through the pro desk, right? Through the pro desk. Yeah. yeah. And they uh-huh. would, 
they would match any price. Like if I go to them and say I'm getting this price, they would match it. Yeah, that's, just, a, that's a quick tip right there. I mean, like yeah. I think Sharad, you can go talk to the Home Depot pro desk or the lowest pro desk. Like those guys have so much more power to do cool things like give discounts and, and promotions and give you free stuff. I mean, like I love working with the pro desk all the time. And yeah, if you're a landlord, if you're an investor, if you're a flipper, go get to know your pro desk. Yeah, like yeah. Home Depot, uh, the guy at ProDesk, he would text me and say, hey, I have, uh, you know, this thing on saying, like, we buy for our rental properties, we buy the traffic master allure flooring, the cherry flooring, you know. Yep. Yep. So he, he called me a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, you know, I have this sale going on. If you buy 10 pallets of it, I'll give you, I mean, I think the regular price is 42, 45 bucks a box, something like that. He said, if you buy 10 pallets, I'll give you for 28, 30 bucks. And I said, yeah, sure, buy it. You know, we'll just leave it there, leave it at the store. And then I'll pick it up. You know, my guys will come pick it up as they need it. And then that's it, you know. And they let you actually have them hold the inventory for you? Yeah, they, I mean, we, we do buy a lot from them. Yeah. We do buy a lot. Um, and like, for example, my guy at Home Depot, he would call me. He had, you know, they were doing a liquidation sale of very expensive vanities. Regular price would be four or five hundred bucks with, you know, granite top. He said, hey, I'm sending it for hundred bucks um, each. I said, buy three. I'll use it on one of my flip. And they held it for three months. Just wow. kept it there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, that's awesome. I love that. I think that's fantastic. I mean, another, another thing we do, you know, I do understand my contractors, my property managers, you know, people at product, they, they really appreciate the business. And I appreciate, I mean, I would take them out to lunch, you know, uh, that's, you know, I'll take my contractors, my property managers, you know, my, with the guys at product, you know, when I started working with it, I took, the entire protest team out to lunch. Say, let's go for lunch. You know, just sit down and see how you can help me and I can help you. That's that, awesome. Something like that makes a big difference. That's the power of relationships. Yeah, it's exactly. it's it's amazing. It's the little things we, you know, on on the episodes where we've kind of dug in on financing and things like that. The guys who are crushing it on on that front always talk about the same thing. Hey, you know, create those relationships, you know, take these guys for lunch, take care of them, be good to them, the banks, you name it. Uh, and, and, and now here we hear the same thing, you know, with, with whether it's, you know, the big vendors, even the big box stores, you know, sure. They're big giant corporate corporations, but you know, you're dealing with the individuals at the company. And, and so creating those relationships with those people uh, are, we're going to, going to make them remember you and, and want to take care of you. Can I, can I tell a quick, quick story about relationship? Uh, only, only if it's as funny as the first story where, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not funny, but it was very profitable. Uh, yeah, well, but I, I yeah. okay. I'll tell you a funny story to begin with. The first property I ever bought before my investment property was a condominium. Okay. That my wife and I lived in. So going back to New York, when I first moved there, so I'm walking down, um, you know, I, I was living in Brooklyn at Brighton beach. So nice. I'm, I'm walking down the beach and I see all these buildings have a signed condominium. And I had no idea what it meant. You know, we call, we call flats in India. We don't know what, yep. I, I don't know what condominium was. So I was walking down the beach and I'm thinking, holy crap, man, this company condominium, they are so freaking filthy. They own every <laughs> single building on the beach, on prime spot. Then I noticed some buildings in Manhattan, you know, downtown New York had signed condominium. And I'm thinking, man. If I graduate from college and if I can get a job with condominium, I'll be so <laughs> happy that they own every single real or most of the real estate buildings on prime spot. 
every <laughs> building on Brighton Beach had a signed condominium. I'm like, man, freaking, how do they own? I've never heard of them. That's just but terrible. this is that's the that's company funny. I'm gonna work. <laughs> it's even funnier that you were living in Brighton Beach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was interesting experience. <laughs> it's it's a very it's a very uh, I, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be a very uh, Orthodox uh, Jewish neighborhood. It was, yeah. I mean, I, and I moved there in 2001 so very interesting experiences around 9-11 but oh yeah yeah but i won't get into that this show is sponsored by airbnb did you know that a long time ago before i ever started my real estate business i turned one of my first primary residences into an airbnb and that's the extra income that i needed from airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job and now i have dozens of airbnbs all over the country I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Pretty good little episode, right? While you were listening, you could have been getting paid rent with RentApp. Landlords love RentApp because it makes rent collection a breeze. RentApp uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. Setup is straightforward for renters, and landlords don't need to download anything. Both have peace of mind with the digital transaction history. Isn't it time you made landlording a little easier? RentApp, the best way to pay or collect rent. Learn more at rent.app/landlord. That's rent.app/landlord. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. But anyway, going back to the, the story about relationship, 
So most of the deals that we do, we work with one title company. And in some cases, I really appreciate the business that I do with them. You know, for Fannie Mae or HUD deals, uh, sometimes, you know, they would want to use their own title company. Uh, but we've had, in some cases, we've paid for the seller's closing cost just to keep relationship with this title company. So that's how much we appreciate the business with them. Uh, I think we've done most of the deals that we do. Everything that I'm selling has to be with that title company. That's just no exception about that. It has to be. Otherwise, the deal is off. Um, so, so I'd been working with this title company. You know, again, it comes down to relationship management. I knew this title company, you know, every time they would help me out with something, you know, the lady that I work with, I would go, you know, I'd, I'd go uh, with a bottle of wine, you know, with an, I would email her Amazon gift card or, you know, some gift card or something. So last year, 2014, she calls me and she's like, Hey, Sharad, this lender wants to liquidate some deals. And I think you should talk to him. I'm like, okay, you know, local bank. Uh, so I call this guy and he said, I'm selling 18 houses. Would you be interested? I said, hell yeah. I would take all 18 of them. Seven of them were in a D area. So I just, I, I called my agent and he said, hey, can I take them? I said, sure. I mean, in hindsight, I could have made 50,000 on those seven houses. But anyway, that's, you know, it is what it is. And my agent just bought me a $200 dinner. But so okay. I gave, I gave those seven deals to my agent and the other 11 deals, I brought zero money to the table. Out of those 11 deals, two were flips. And the other nine were rental properties. A buddy of mine, he said, I'll take four. Okay. And then I said, okay, I'll take the other five. The profit. And then he said he was going to put all the money and I was going to pay him back in a year. So this was the deal closed on June 26, 2014. The money that I paid made from those two flips more than paid for the other four, five rental properties that I kept for myself. Wow. Just, and this would have never, ever happened if it were not for that relationship. Yeah. And what had happened was the bank that I bought the properties from, they had acquired another bank. So that's how they got in, you know, um, they had 18 properties in their inventory. And after the deal closed, I sent a bottle of wine to the person I was dealing with at the bank. Now he just calls me directly anytime he has any property. He doesn't call anybody else. Like he just emailed me last week he said hey i have this guy he's looking to sell 18 houses we you know we are the lenders and i'm calling you would you want to buy this portfolio for 1.5 1.8 million dollars i said yeah i'll if the numbers make sense i'll figure out to buy it so now he put me in touch directly with the seller that was just with the relationship and now that's i mean that's it makes a huge huge difference like even when you know i fly to indiana once a month the only reason I go there is to buy more properties. That's it. So when I go there, I make sure the title company uh, that I'm working, if I'm closing with them, you know, I'll just go take a you know, nice bottle of wine or, you know, email them a gift card, stuff like that. Just, you know, uh, sit down with my property managers, my contractors. And that makes huge, huge difference. My contractor, you know, two or three contractors that I work with, they appreciate the business. They, you know, they tell me that, you, you know, you're helping me make money. You're helping provide food for our family. So we'll just do whatever you need to do to make money. Yeah. 
Moral of the story is get everybody drunk with bottles of wine. Exactly. And send them an Amazon <laughs> gift card later on. There you go. There you go. There you no, go. I, I love that. I, I remember back on the show we did with uh, Glenn Schwarm back in the day. It was like one of the early episodes. He talked about how he sends his like title company and bankers and everybody like these like big, brownies. Yeah, like brownies. And every yeah, time, yeah. Like, and he said like those relationships just are so solid. So I've done a little bit of that. I haven't quite done as much as I should be doing, but I, I don't know. This is re, renewing my interest in that. All right. Before we go to the fire round, I want to ask you one last question is you're, you're buying, you said you bought 30 some deals just since moving to California. Uh, yeah, about 25, right? 30. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's crazy. You're, are you, are you finding all those still on the MLS or do you guys have other ways of finding deals now? Uh, MLS and then the lender, he calls me every now and then, you know, he would have a deal here or there. And then I buy a lot from Sheriff Sale. Okay, so you're buying yeah, like auction. Okay, interesting. A lot from auction, like three, four. Yeah, I mean, three, four. We try to buy three, four every month at auction. Wow, and are you actually having yeah, to go there? Is it online? Who goes? Yeah, that's that's what I go for. Oh, okay. So when you yeah, go, I go there once first Friday of every month, that's what I go for. Mm. Yeah, you're the second person or third, maybe even in the last couple of months here on the show that have been buying their deals from that. It must. I really need to look more into that because I don't do a lot of that. So that's cool. Right. That's very cool. Yeah. Nice. All right, awesome. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we shift gears here over to the world famous fire round? It's time for the fire round. All right, the fire round. These questions come straight out of the Bigger Pockets forum. So let's uh, fire them at you, Sharad. Okay. Number one: Should I pay? $30,000 for a mentor program. That was a question. It was trending today on the forum. Should I pay thirty grand for a mentor program? I would not. Why? What can a mentor teach you that you cannot learn online? I, I, I would not. I mean, I don't know. Why? If, if the mentor is giving some insider information, then that's a different story. But I, I can only, you know, I can only tell people what I did. I did not, the you know... The only really realistic book that I read was Millionaire Real Estate Investor. That kind of gave me an idea what I wanted to do with my real estate strategy. Yeah, I, I, I've never taken any real estate course, none whatsoever. Everything I learned was from bigger pocket. Everything, like everything real estate related. So why would I tell anybody to spend $30,000 when we go buy a house? There yeah. you go. I like that. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Cool. All right, next question. Paying off student loans or start investing? All right, so sh- if, if I've got you know a bunch of student loans, uh, should I pay them off or should I use the money that I would put towards paying those loans off uh, towards investing in real estate? See, it's a tricky question. If a student loan is at 2 3% and you know you can make more investing in something, then again, mathematically, makes sense to go out and do investment. When I graduate, when I graduated, I, I had like $2,000 in credit card debt. I had, you know, scholarships and stuff. So, you know, I didn't have a student loan. My wife, you know, she was in a scholarship. Um, so she didn't have any student loan. And I buy everything cash. You know, I have a couple of properties with debt on them, but everything else is free and clear. I mean, mathematically, definitely, if you're paying 2-3% on student loan and if you have money to either pay off or go out and buy properties, Mathematically, it makes sense to just go out and buy properties because your rate of return will be three, four times more what you're paying in interest. But I mean, again, I'm not doing that myself. But you know, if if somebody is disciplined enough, they invest in a good property where they know they're going to make money, then it makes sense to do that. Perfect. Cool. 
Oh, Brandon? it's mine again. Oh, it is. <laughs> All right, number three, uh, buying a rental property. I like this question. I never, never even thought about it. Should I buy a rental property next door to a gas station? Uh, I don't own anything next to a gas station, but if, you know, if somebody offered me a deal where the numbers make sense, would I buy it? Yes. Okay. I mean, okay. It's, it just comes down to numbers. If the numbers make sense, I'll buy it. I mean, if I'm buying similar houses in the area for, you know, my cost is whatever, you know, let's say $100,000. And if I can buy this property for 30, 40, yeah. And if I can get similar rent, because the tenants won't care so much about a gas station next door, but a home buyer would be concerned yeah. about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. All right, last question. I can't find any deals. What do I do? Um, you're not looking hard enough, I guess. Um, you know, if you... If you talk to wholesalers in your area, you know, make relationship with agents, go to Sheriff Sale, uh, you know, go to these auctions, look online on sites like auction.com, you know, um, and a couple of other websites. You will find the deals, but deals will not be as good as what they were two, three years ago. So, um, I mean, there are still some decent deals out there, but you just got to look much, much harder in this uh, today than you could in you know, a couple of years ago. Right on. All right. I love Excellent. it. Good answers. Good answers. So uh, before we get out of here, let's move one last time over to the famous four. All right. So these are the uh, famous four questions. We ask everybody this and you've heard it before. I know. So let's, uh, let's see what you have to say. Number one, I think I know what you're going to say since you've only read one real estate book. Yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite real estate book besides the book on rental property investing that we launched? Uh, <laughs> Shameless I mean, those, plug. Those, those are in a class of their own. So okay, good. Those are definitely on a pedestal. You know, I worship them every day. Good. You don't, even, you don't, even, count, you don't even count them as, as no, real estate. No, you know what I'm going to do with that. those? What are you gonna I'm going to sell them 10, 15 years from now as collector item. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> good. You got, you got one of the early copies, I'm sure. All exactly. Right, nice. All right, exactly. So other, other than those two books that we released a few weeks ago here at biggerpockets.com slash rental book, what else is your favorite rental or real estate book? Uh, Millionaire Real Estate Investor. By Gary Keller. Yes. yes. Good book. And I had to compete with that guy now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but again, you're in a different, you're in a different, different class. Yeah, different though. class. Yeah. Like yep. after, after your book, what would I read? Sure. Why not? Millionaire Real Estate Investor. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. There you Good. go. Yeah. There you go. Nice. All right. What about business book? I'm, uh, you sound like the kind of guy that likes to read some business books. What are, what are you uh, into I, I love, I love reading biographies, autobiographies. I, yeah. I don't, I don't like reading like how to books. I just, it, it, they never appeal to me because I have a little bit of ADD and then I get lost. Stories hold me, you know, really interested. I tell you the one that really, really changed the way I started looking at my business was start something that matters by what's his name? Blake Mikoski. He's the founder of Tom's shoes. Okay. So I don't know if you know the story for every pair of shoe that they sell, they donate one. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So I've started doing that with my business for every house that I sell. I provide education for a kid in India from first to 12th grade. Wow. Like, how I do mean, you do that? Like I, I, what do you mean? How do I do that? I mean, is it like a charity like, or what, something? What is it? No, no, I, I pay directly to the school. Wow. So cost per year would be about, Five to six hundred dollars, and I pay for twelve years. Wow! wow. All right. I mean, I, I'll tell you. For me, the best gift I ever ever got was my parents gave me education. Yeah, hands down. 
to me, food, clothing, shelter, education are the four necessities. I mean, that just changed my entire life. And I can, if I can help even one kid just get out of poverty or, you know, just get to middle class, I mean, nothing, nothing will make me happier. So that book, definitely. That's the only book I bought it. I remember I bought it 11 at night, stayed up till four, read 75% of it, went to sleep, got up next morning at like nine, finished the entire book within like six, seven. That's the only book that I read in less than 12 hours. Wow. Definitely. Um, changed I got to pick that one up. Yeah, it sounds really good. Well, that's, that's amazing, man. I mean, really, it's, yeah. uh, uh, you're a good guy. Thank you. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. This got, all, this got it's all serious. Sure Josh says about you. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you can't use my line and screw with it. <laughs> there, there has to be, I don't know, to me, there has to be a bigger, bigger purpose in life to me. You know, for me, I've just, if I can do something for kids, especially for me, if I can do something for kids, nothing, nothing will make me happier. Right on. Cool. Cool. What do you do for fun? I love, love spending time with my family, you know, that, but lately I've been taking boxing classes. So, you know, I go there three times a week. That's what I nice. do. Nice. Yeah. You should challenge him, Brandon. Boxing. Yeah, well, right I'm now. shaking my head and people can't hear that. <laughs> the rocks <laughs> rattling around in there. Yeah. No, I just, I just go there to just kind of get some exercise. Cool. Yeah. You, you seem like you'd be, a, I don't know. I, I don't want to take you on. You, you, you would, you'd beat me up. I'm, I'm horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me a good exercise. Yeah, that sounds cool. All right. Yeah. My last question of the day and the last of the famous four, what do you believe sets apart those successful investors from all those others who give up or fail or never get started? Uh, motivation, like a big why motivation. That's just, if, if your why is strong enough, no matter what the, the issues you'll get over it. Just that's, that's it. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I love reading these, you know, like I said, biographies, autobiographies, when you read them, you're like, man, just these people can do so, so much. I'm reading right now. I'm reading about, uh, Elon Musk, the guy, you know, uh, Tesla. Yeah. I mean, then, you know, you read about these guys, you know, and then you're like, man, I mean, these people are doing a lot, you know, then you definitely get the motivation. I mean, they were motivated to do something big with their life. So yeah, definitely a big, big motivation will yeah. make you get over any, any obstacle in life. I like right, that. On. right on. By the way, I, I don't know if you know this website. It's, it is probably my favorite website next to bigger pockets. It's called wait, but why have you ever read it? No. Okay. Yeah. So wait, but why I, the guy writes these just ridiculous novel esque articles that are, you know, five, 10, 20,000 words on all sorts of topics. And he of course is obsessed with Elon Musk and has written some incredible uh, articles on uh, how and why SpaceX will colonize Mars, uh, Elon Musk, the world's raddest man, how Tesla will change the world are, are some of them. And they're, they're amazing reads and like totally motivating. Right. Uh, it's a science. It's a mostly science-y type of site, but it's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, wait, for sure. Wait, but why? Yeah. Wait, but why? Um, all right. So, uh, before we let you go, we gotta gotta find out where people can find out more information about you. Obviously, you are on Bigger Pockets, so yeah. I'm assuming that is one place. Yeah, I haven't been as active as I would like to be, uh, but yeah, Bigger Pocket. You know, people do message me a lot in Bigger Pockets, and I, you know, I make sure I respond to that. And then they can go to my website, you know, and then again through Bigger Pockets. What's uh, your website? MaxPropertiesLLC.com. Cool. Finally, before I let you go. 
for those people who are listening but not watching this on YouTube, uh, we typically launch the YouTube versions of our uh, shows a few weeks later. There's a whiteboard behind you. <laughs> what, is it, what, is it, what does it say on that whiteboard there, Sharon? Podcast number 155. So now you got to keep it at 155. Don't push me back. Or <laughs> Unless you think 156 is going to get more views, then I'll be okay. <laughs> Josh and Brandon asked me to shut off my phone and mine for this podcast. The Which mine part was much easier than the phone. Good. <laughs> and then camera makes you look five years older and I have three cameras on me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yesterday, yesterday when we recorded this, Josh said, so let me, let me guess how old you are, Sherrod. Is it, is it what did it say, four, 40, 45? Yeah, 46, 40, 46 is the highest <laughs> number I remember. <laughs> really? Are you really, uh, you guys are calling me out. And you are, what, 33? So... I'm already just, embarrassed just by it. Turned 33, not even a month ago. So I'm just getting over that 32. So more like 32 <laughs> plus. I'm I'm really sorry. I, <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's I mea yeah. culpa. Yeah, yeah. Oh, why uh, are you sorry? It's okay. I I know I look old. That's why I put that sign so people don't mistake me. It's the camera. <laughs> it's the camera. Exactly. It's, it's the, camera. the camera. If yeah. you meet me in person, uh, I'm like, whoa. You I know, thought you were seven. You? <laughs> and Native American. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently. No. American Indian. American Indian. American Indian. American Indian. There's, there's a yeah, difference. I was really confused when I saw <laughs> you in person. It was not American <laughs> Chinese. Or... <laughs> Sherrod, it's been a pleasure, man. Really, really, it has. Great show. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming on. Sure. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you around. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was Sherrod. What an awesome guy. Yeah. Very motivating. Unbelievable. Hundreds of deals. 50, give or take, rental properties, free and clear. I mean, like, oh, oh by the way. By the way, Brandon, yeah. five years. Five years. Five years. Five Amazing. Years. I've been doing this oh. twice as long and he's dominating me. What, one more thing. <laughs> what? One more thing. I mean, not, but because you know, you like to do things like plug this book that you wrote or this other book that you wrote. Like or this the book on book rental property investing and managing rental property right. at biggerpockets.com slash rental book. That? Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. no well, money at biggerpockets.com slash no money. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. You can't help yourself. Verbal diarrhea. You have a problem. <laughs> so, I'm taking medicine for it. Don't worry. <laughs> We, this guy learned it all from bigger pockets. I, like I, that's so cool. I, I mean, it, it makes me feel so good. It make you know, it just reinforces that uh, this community is so special. And and uh, anyway, I, Josh, I, I'm pumped. Josh, it feels great. Yes, sir. I'm gonna say a, a group from everyone listening. Thank you for bigger pockets. Aww. I don't know if I've ever said that, but thank you no, for bigger pockets. You haven't. You've always been a jerk with no, nasty, smart ass comments. <laughs> and, and like, no, because I, I would not be where I am today without the stuff I learned on bigger pockets. I mean, there's no, I don't know if I'd have any properties because yeah. my parents had told me that I shouldn't invest in real estate when I first started and they said I was crazy. And the only reason I did is because. You also I, said you were ugly, right? That too, but that doesn't change. So <laughs> they said that I should not invest in real estate. And then I went online right. and I found out that uh, there are people doing this on a site called Bigger Pockets. And that's how I yep. started. So amazing. Yeah, amazing. Well, thank you, Josh. Ah, thank you, man. That was, that was very, very kind of you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go cry now. Okay. Tear up. All right. Well, anyway, thank you guys for listening. We, we really, really, really do appreciate it. And, and if you guys are, are enjoying the content that we're putting out, please, please jump on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. Uh, I, I, we need more. We've only got like 16, 1700 ratings and reviews and we have like 60,000 listens show. We had a goal that we were going to try to get 2000. I remember saying at the beginning of the year, we were trying to get 2000 reviews by the end of the year, which we need like 400 reviews today. Yeah. So if we're going to hit that goal, guys, 
That's what Please we had. Four hundred reviews today. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could do it. I mean, there's sixty thousand people listen to these shows. Oh so, yeah, you know, and it takes like quarter. two minutes. Yep. And 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 so yeah, go to iTunes, go to the Bigger Pockets podcast, and jump in and leave us a rating review, preferably five star, of course. But uh, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. And otherwise, get on Bigger Pockets, hang out with guys like Sherrod, who's who's rocking it and available to hang out and answer your questions. Uh, otherwise, go to biggerpockets.com slash show 155 to check out the show notes and connect with Sherrod. So big thanks. And uh, hey, Josh, you know, happy new year. I'll see you next year. Yeah, man. All right. <laughs> I'm Josh Dorkin. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. May all acquaintance be. Uh, 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 da, 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 I don't know the words. I just know Is this where we kiss? <laughs> The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.